Hello, everybody, and welcome back after our series mini break over Christmas and New Year to the Mindset Musing podcast series two with my co-host, Mr. Simon Gardner. How are you, Simon? Yeah, good, mate. Good, you? Good, good. Yeah, very good. Thank you. We'll get on to a few bits of housekeeping in a minute, but first of all, how was your Christmas and New Year break? Yeah, it was very, very good. Do we do the bit where we intro each other in series two? Should we do that? Right, so... Yeah, go on, go, go on. Okay. I know you're, I know you're you... Nah, I mean, I'm just going to massage Ben's ego here two seconds. You can fast forward this podcast or you can just listen to this bit. But Ben co-founded Victorious Festival with his pals and it's turned into one of the largest festivals in the UK amongst various other time-sapping projects, property, bars, restaurants, stuff like that. Yes, like to keep busy. Simon Gardner, co-founder of Carrington West, which is one of the most successful recruitment companies in the United Kingdom, uh, multi-award winning. Yep. Not the largest, but one of the largest. Was that right? Did we summarise that last time? Well, it's one of the fastest growing. So it depends, you know, you you can be one of the largest and sort of sit there quite dusty, or you can be one of the most aggressively fastest growing. Pioneers of innovation within the recruitment industry. I don't think, innovation isn't really one of our, I don't want to get too much into it. We don't really innovate. We just do the basics really well. But anyway, whole new podcast. But yeah, Carrington West, look them up. Big company. All Fast good, growth. all good. Right, <laughs> yeah. on to it. How was your Christmas and New Year, mate? Good? Yep, really good, really good. Probably one of the best I've ever had, actually. It was also one of the toughest, but most rewarding. We've obviously got a one-year-old and a two-year-old. We popped up to Liverpool 27th, 28th to see some of my family. I didn't really do much pub action. I must admit, I did a lot of that before the 20 sort of 22nd 23rd did all the mate stuff um all the work bits and bobs and then really over christmas it was just full family which which was really rewarding but yeah good how, how was yours yeah had a fantastic christmas with the kids we got young kids as well yeah brilliant so you know had family over christmas day for christmas dinner caught up with mates in the pub before and after between christmas and new year which was great it's yeah one of the best ones to be honest the, the two previous christmases couldn't have been much worse for me uh 2020 was covid restrictions obviously which affected everybody and christmas before i missed the whole thing i was in bed with the flu my missus uh went to kenya she flew off to kenya on boxing day for two weeks to visit her brother so i had the kids on my own recovering from flu yeah brilliant but anyway that's that little moan out of the way had a lovely christmas my oven did break the day before christmas eve and it's first world problems really i've I've got a, a cooker with two ovens but the main big one broke and we had everyone over christmas dinner my wife phoned me to tell me, and I think she she thought I was going to absolutely lose lose my rag. How did you, how did, you do it then? A couple of candles. I did it to pre cook a lot Christmas Eve, um, and then just what, cook the main in, bit. In, in one of the pubs. No, 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 in in the side oven. Like I said, first of all. Oh cooking, my so, god! So the, the little one was still working. Right. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. So it was a bit of bit of jiggery pokery. Yeah, bit yeah. Of scheduling. You're telling me we only live in Eastney. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. um, this is an in joke. If you go back to listen to previous <laughs> yeah. podcasts, but you're telling me you've got numerous ovens just a house in Eastney. I do. Yeah. I live in a yeah. modest location with a grandiose oven set up. Yeah, I think is probably the best way to. That's uh, the way. That's the way around. I'd have it. Definitely. That. No, but uh, it all, all came good in the end. You know, and my wife, I think she thought I was going to absolutely chuck my toys out the pram about the fact we had a broken cooker just for Christmas. But um, I just sort of brushed it off, really, is what it is. Worked a way around it. I think all that stoic philosophy I've been reading for the yeah. last few years is starting to deep set into my mind. You could have used it as uh, maybe leverage to get it hosted by and cooked by another household, maybe. 
I don't know. That's what I'd have done. I'd have I could, right I could have done, but I've, fact, I'd have pulled the wires out of my own oven the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like cooking, and I like everyone coming oh, to our house. And I yeah. finally got my way where people were going to come to ours instead of us traipsing around everybody else's house. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of that grit and determination. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Subject for the day. I think it saw me through, so I was determined to uh, yeah. make it work. I'll tell you what I've noticed when you do the whole family thing, and um, I won't focus on anyone in particular here, but the general gist is when you're like 18, 19, they go, yeah, come up, you know, come and come and see us. We, obviously, we, we've got young kids, so come and see us. And you go, yeah, cool. And then when, when years go by and you get young kids, they go, yeah, pop up, pop up and see us. We'd like to see the kids. And you think, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. I've been fucking worked here i've been like i've been <laughs> conned but yeah it's funny isn't it i don't think it's long before we we're, we're going to start to put roots down on christmas day and say look you know 50 people can come or no one because it is it, it can get a lot of you know to and fro and can't it yeah yeah no it can yeah. be but yeah it's nice nice to be back post restrictions and um people being yeah. out to actually mix and see each other so that was good I've had a good start to the new year and <clears throat> i must admit i've never felt more i've never felt more clear and more focused as to exactly what I want out of this year. Normally, I sort of get to about October, beat myself up, I haven't done enough, have a mini meltdown for a couple of weeks. But this year, I know exactly really what I want to do. And, and as I said, there were, there were no real nights out past sort of the 20th of December. So I've actually been fully focused. So I've got some exciting bits and bobs. I've actually just signed a three-year contract with the University of Portsmouth to be um, what they call an entrepreneur in residence. Well so done. grandiose title, but it is essentially um, it's my former university. I love I love my time there. Um, I did a business degree there, and they've asked me to come back and help with the all things entrepreneurship really. And it's good for me to practice some mentoring. Um, we do mentoring and coaching here, but it's obviously it's an, an internal setting, and these will be students and and um, post grad students that have started businesses stuff like that. So it'd be a way to, for me to. Sh- sort of practice my skills so i'm excited about that that starts well i've actually already done a talk before christmas so they can have that one free that's that's just sort of that was just put in the door moment yeah you know sort of got up there did it but i'm looking to do more face-to-face stuff i'm joining it um i mean i think it's only six i think i'm tied in six things a year but obviously being a local resident you'll see all of the built mate they are spending millions like hundreds of millions on the, on their campus it's a city campus if you've ever been some of the buildings that they've got planned are, are unreal you always get the usual fucking moaners it's oh it's you know too big like this is we, we live in an island city don't we not a lot of people know that about portsmouth if you look at any other island city eventually the only way to go is up because you run out of space we are the um, largest island city in the country in fact i think we might be the only island city in the uk yeah i, th- I think you're right so yeah really excited about that and today just before we get into it i just want to remind people that we i don't know if you checked the recent stats ben but we're getting downloaded thousands of times now yeah and yep yeah, and obviously where we've got where we've got lots of content dating back sort of uh, what eight nine months now it's People are going, but you can see the down the daily downloads. And they, they, there's more to download, hence the hence the downloads are, are in their thousands. So thank you for that. But the number of reviews don't equal the number of downloads. The number of, of reviews don't even equal the number of people, the unique users downloading it, because we can obviously see that as well. So please do us a favor. We're looking to grow this podcast this year. We've got one sponsor that just covers our costs. So it no longer costs us any money, just time. Little confession me and Ben have got we've actually recorded this podcast once before and my microphone didn't work 
um, very well. It actually led to a lot of heavy, heavy breathing, which I don't think is legal to put out. Um, it would make people feel extremely uncomfortable. It made me cringe when I listened to it, when you sent it over. So when we talk about time, we are really investing some time in this particular one <laughs> because we're already an hour into it. So please share this show. Please leave a review. If the subjects pop up, um, when you're talking to your mates and or, or talking to your family or around the dinner table, just mention it. because I think that's how these things grow is word of mouth. Having said that, we are into this week's show. And Ben, this one came from you. So we are talking about belief, grit and longevity today, aren't we? Yeah, but this is a kind of doubled up, really. I, I came across this study, which a friend of mine had posted online, which we will put a link to up in the show notes. Uh, and then from the conversation you and I had about it, You've obviously got some content on this, which you've come up with before. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to uh, make it the, the topic for, for this week. I saw online uh, a study, and it was in the 1950s at Harvard University by Dr. Kurt Richter. It's quite a brutal study. I'm not going to be honest, it involves animals. But this is the 1950s, quite a long time ago. But basically what he was doing is he was placing rats into, into buckets of water to see how long they could swim for. Uh, and on average, they kind of give up, uh, I think, and unfortunately perish after about sort of 15 minutes treading water, 10 to 15 minutes. It's always the rats that get it, isn't it? Yeah. Always poor, the rats. Poor, poor rats. Poor little but rats. Anyway, <clears throat> hence the fact we're talking about this on a podcast for human uh, benefit, then yeah. you know, hopefully it wasn't all in vain. So what they were doing is they put them in and then they... They, they did another round of testing where they would let the rats go to the point of exhaustion just about when they were going to sink and, and perish again. They'd scoop them out, uh, dry them off, let them rest for, for only for a short while and then make sure they were recovered and then put them back in for a second round to see how long they would last. The results are quite astounding. Some of them lasted not a matter of minutes, hours. Well, the majority of them are swimming for up to 60 hours. So that's that's two and a half days. God. And the conclusion drawn was because the rats believed that they would eventually be rescued, they could push their bodies way past what they previously thought was possible. Mm. If you want to translate that into human mentality, I, I would argue that we, we have the same thing as, as humans within us um, and it's probably well in fact it has been demonstrated in in many different cases throughout <clears throat> history so that was the study we'll put the link in the show notes but Simon you've got some points relating yeah. to that you want to talk about I think really interesting one when we spoke about this last week I'd never heard of it to be honest so it really is an interesting one but it basically comes down to the belief doesn't it and obviously we're going to try and extract this and put it into entrepreneurial or you know human mindset terms and it's the belief that the rats had that they were going to get rescued that drove them on they'd been in the scenario before they'd seen it happen they know that they're going to get pulled out fed dried with a warm towel so they keep going for that moment and i suppose it's really the single reason that people fail in business in particular that I've seen over the years, isn't their lack of skills. It's not their knowledge, the lack of drive, anything like that. It's just the basic understanding of how long it's going to take to succeed. It's either the understanding that it's going to be much quicker and 
they fail because it hasn't happened as quickly as they think it will, or they just simply can't wrap their fucking head around how long it's going to take. Um, and the not knowing how long it's going to take. If you were to set out and run a marathon, and but you weren't told it was 26.6 miles, I've, I've run a marathon once just once literally and I and I um I actually did it last it was during the December lockdown last year and um I just got my trainers on and I booked half a day and I just went running and I in my head I said I'm going to do a marathon and, and I and I sort of did but I, I about three three miles before I was the end I was literally almost collapsing I had to sit on bus stops I was if I surprised someone didn't call an ambulance but I just wanted to get to the end I knew it was going to finish at a particular point and if someone and you know if every mile didn't know the end of it I would have quit long before and that's just that's human that's human that's my mind anyway and and, and to be honest when we set this company up that was almost us we almost did fail because we just wrapped, we didn't wrap our head around how long it was going to take to succeed. When me and my mate set this company up, we'd go, we'd save up some money, we'd go to the harvester on a Friday, cheap bit of chicken. My mate was, uh, God love him, is ever the optimist, and I'm, mm, I want to say I'm more of a realist rather than a pessimist. But he would, he would get a napkin round. He would, he would draw out uh, an org chart of sixty people. And he would put a date on it with about 18 months time. Like we were, we were clueless and we have got to 60 people. We have got to 80 people, It, but it takes a lot longer than people think. And, and I think the issue is we live in a world of complete comparison, don't we? We live in a world of instant gratification. People want the success today. It's what's done today that's going to get them there. And it really is difficult for people to wrap their head around the length of time. And, and I think... If you're comparing yourself, your chapter one against someone's chapter six, you're always going to feel that you, there's an uphill battle. And, I, and I've said it before, but I think happiness and like your satisfaction at the end of the day, when you go home and you, and you put your feet up and you think, right, that was a good day, should just become in the comparison of where you are now to where you were yesterday. And it's the, you know, and it's the daily wins, the daily steps. Be, be confident and happy that you've got a little W in your column for today. You've won today because you've progressed various things, an intentional list of things that you were going to do. One day becomes a week, becomes a month, becomes 10 years. And before you know it, you've gone from a garage to a company, a big company, and it's it's in the daily steps. And I think it's one of the main reasons businesses fail. I think what people should ask themselves is three questions, pretty simple. Where am I? Where do I want to go and what am I prepared to do and what do I need to do to get there? And once you've got those answers to that, to those questions, that's your list, basically. That's your plan. You can start going. I think in a sales environment, if you were going to start to think about setting up a company, and one of our one of our mates has actually launched the company today, haven't they? Um, mm-hmm. Some big up Positive Juice and Positive Eats. They're in one of your, one of your buildings in Portsmouth. And those those two guys, Loz and Lindsay, really nice. They've got their head switched on. They're going to succeed. You know they are. They've already been running the business sort of, um, you know, remotely for up to a year or so. But really, if you're going to leave full-time employment, you need to give yourself about three to five years to even earn the salary that you were probably earning in the previous employed version of it. It's not going to happen after two or three years. And, and, and people think they're going to get there after a year. And then what happens is, like the rats things aren't happening they don't know the end they're running a race where they don't know the end of it and they end up sinking i think when we you know when we when we recorded the first version of this i mentioned like a sort of pledge and it's almost worth looking at yourself in the mirror every day and going i'm an entrepreneur 
this is going to take three times the length of time I think it's going to take and just get, get comfortable with that. Do you think that's the biggest blocker to a lot of people going into either starting a business or going off starting a new career is the fact, like you just mentioned, the length of time, say, say five years, for instance, for them to be able to earn back what they were earning at the point they're thinking of making their exit. Mm. Do you think that's probably the biggest blocker for why people just say, well, what's the point in that? I'm earning good money now. Uh, I can't yeah. to wait five years for it again. So I'm just going to stick with doing what I'm doing. Because uh, I think... Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that is the barrier to entry for loads of people is they've got dependents. They might have a, a credit card. They've got a nice car that they pay for. It's, I mean, I've been in a, I've been in an employed sales job before. I left on a, on a six-figure salary. You know, that takes fucking big balls. Or you're stupid. And I can't remember what I was actually. <laughs> you know, probably more, probably, or just naive. I think I was just completely and utterly naive. And I think that's, you know, that is one of your biggest tools as an entrepreneur is your, is your absolute naivety to the situation. As you know, I'm from the recruitment industry. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our founding sponsors, the JSA Group. Their enthusiasm surrounding Series 2 and the launch of Series 2 of this podcast really does demonstrate their commitment to supporting their agency partners with their growth plans and sharing expertise across the industry to raise recruitment standards nationwide. JSA provides a huge range of outsourced payroll solutions to recruitment agencies and contractors and takes away really the pressures of managing their financial requirements. Now, that's whether the contractor wishes to work via limited company, umbrella or PAYE. And their knowledge and passion for evolving the future of recruitment really does run deep. And this is evident in their consistent development of cutting edge services, including international payroll and future proof back office solutions. Now, you can find them by visiting jsagroup.co.uk or across any social media platform at JSA Group. Right, let's get back to it. Honestly, and I'd like to say that I'm brave enough to go, yeah, yeah, no problem. If someone told me on year five that we had to, or even now, you know, you've got to go back and start again. I don't know. I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I, I, it would be much easier to go and get a hundred grand a year job or 50 grand a year job, much easier. Um, and to be honest, my lifestyle wouldn't change that much. Um, you know, <laughs> I think we've, we covered this on a previous episode, didn't we? I can't remember which one now. We, yeah. we, we did mention that about if you were to start again, knowing what you know, yeah, yeah, then you probably wouldn't do it. But I think that that naivety, as you mentioned, is is kind of what sees you through. And if you've got a passion for something, whatever that might be, then that always helps. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. I, I, but, you know, yes, I, I think you are right. I think it's people being, uh, having dependents, people worrying about what people are going to think. And, you know, most people that do take the leap, I mean, you see these leases come up, there's a new something in this building and and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, it doesn't quite happen. And, and I think it's people get to the end of year three and go, well, this isn't what, what I thought it would be. And you think, no, it's not going to be. Give it 10 years. You know, I mean, we're, we're not we're not sitting here and, and saying, you know, keep doing something if it's going wrong, but there has to be some grit. There has to be some determination. And like we said, it's the belief that drives the grit. If they believe, if you if you can visualize, if you can believe it, if you've got a mentor that's done something similar and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this is hard. But by the way, next year will be harder. Don't expect it to get any easier. You're going in full eyes open. And, and as we said the other day, some people haven't got, someone who's perceived as successful in their in their friends or family or, or they haven't got you know someone that's started a business that in the industry that they want to start one in so and if you haven't we are your mentors this podcast 
can be your mentor. Our Instagram pages or Instagram pages of people that have done things, look them up, follow them, send them a DM and they can be your sort of mentor without even realizing it if you can't afford one. There's lots of free mentorship out there these days. It's not like 25 years ago. And I think the second point is that a lot of entrepreneurs out there, they do go for the money. Why are you setting this up? Well, I want to earn this, right? And and that is that is true. You know, eventually you, you do want to see the financial rewards of, of your risk. Even some established companies, they look to all their KPIs and all of their all of their sales targets are purely money driven. And that, to be honest, is a short term way of looking at things. What you want to be doing is you want to be driving repeat custom. And it's the repeat custom that's the easy wins. And I think, you know, here we look after, we don't just drive sales for drive sales sake. What we do is we look after our staff. Companies either look after their staff completely or they look after their client completely. What we do is we look after our staff. Yes, we take utmost care of our client, but the person taking utmost care of our client is the staff member that loves working here and can see themselves here in 15 years time. I'll tell you an example of where that works in, in a negative way. Just to back up your point, though, my brother used to work for a very large uh, bicycle company yeah. and the, the line manager or the boss of that division used to set them sales targets. So they work their proverbials off to you know make sure they hit them. And then the, the immediate answer when those targets were hit was, okay, well, you've done it that day. So that means you, you can do that every week now. Yeah. That, that's your new target level. And it, then safe it, to say... All that department left within a matter of weeks. Exactly. It's like you've all watched your favourite football team or whatever, or rugby team or whatever you're into. And the way they play one nil down in the last 10 minutes is frantic, isn't it? That is like asking your team to play like they play in the last 10 minutes for the full 90. It's not going to happen because they get exhausted. They get tired of it. You know, it's only like short bursts that they can do this sort of thing in. And to, and to drive your company to just purely sell, 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 money, 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 money. In the end, they are also running a race like the rat. They don't know the end of it. Is this ever going to stop? It's not. Like the rat, are you looking for a quick way out? Are you looking for the small win today? Or are you looking for like a big win tomorrow? Because I always look for the big win tomorrow. And it's about you know looking at the company if you're about to start one or about to go into a career look for the longevity that you can get out of it talking of analogies have you heard the analogy again animal related it is quite again it's quite cruel um i don't like it have you heard about the elephant tied to the stake yeah i think i have but let's just uh give us a reminder yep so the way that they control or used to, I don't know whether they still do, maybe they still do, but um, the way that they typically used to control elephants when they were traded and owned, let's say, by humans to, you know, move objects or, or, or do whatever, is that, you know, especially in like a perceived third world country in the 50s or 60s, how are you going to put an elephant in a compound when you haven't got access to con- concrete and stuff like that? The, you know, the thing would just fucking smash its way out. So what they used to do when there was a baby elephant, you know, and I always think Dumbo, they would tie the baby elephant to a stake, no bigger or stronger than you'd put up a tent with and tie some rope around its leg. And obviously the baby elephant naturally tries to get free and it can't. And then what happens is because it tried once or twice when it was like, let's say, I don't know, six months old, by the time the elephant's 25 and is able to not only just rip that stake out of the ground, but smash its way out of the village or whatever it, wherever it's being housed, 
it doesn't try anymore. So it is, there's these photos of, of these huge elephants all tied up to a tiny stake that if, the, if actually they pulled in the wrong direction, it would remove it quite easily. Um, and again, that comes down to belief. There's that quote by Henry Ford, isn't there? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think that just emphasises how much attitude really does determine your grit, your determination, and therefore, ultimately, your success. Because you're not going to be successful in anything, a career, a business, anything, unless you can grit it out. Because if you always wait too motivated to do anything, you're going to be working about 10% of the time, aren't you? Pretty similar to the rat in that respect, isn't it? It's just it's just pure belief. Yeah, that's it. And there will be, uh, in any year, uh journey you know career or business owner or, or otherwise really you're going to have your ups and downs aren't you and um, I think being able to build that resilience mindset is very important I was thinking about that on my walk this morning actually because <laughs> life is uh, not plain sailing is it let's face it I'm, I like to think I'm a realist as much as you are you're, you're going to get knocks and people telling you they don't like what you're doing or your service you're providing is not good enough. That's to make you cut enough to make you curl up in a ball and just jack it all in and go back to a life of mediocrity. Then that's fine if, you, if you're comfortable with that. But yeah. I think you just need to be prepared for the fact that you need to bit a bit of toughness to, to stick it out. Yeah, definitely. And then on, so obviously we, we, we've got kind of animal behavior and it is really interesting to, to, to monitor that and then to sort of you know, look at these studies um, I'll definitely be reading that study when, obviously, when you pop the link over. But human belief as well. Obviously, the rat and the, and the elephant, you know, fairly sad stories and fairly negative. But one positive, have you heard, and my mate, my mate loves this one. It's not an analogy, it's an actual story. It's, it, obviously, you've heard my mate say about the cathedral, building the cathedral. Yeah, yeah. He absolutely, answer. any podcast he goes on, he brings out his cathedral. Um, <laughs> but... Um, it is a good one, to be fair. It is a good one. It is a good one. Um, he, we'll, we'll, we'll go over that on another episode. So yeah, he, he, yeah, he does reel it off to new starters quite often with they've got very blank looks on their faces. But he's like, James, just go and sit down, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so my, my colleague uh, and co-founder, James, loves the the glass ceiling belief about that, that, that took place with the four-minute mile. Um, and I think this has appeared in, in a few books. So for those that aren't aware, May 1954, right, Roger Bannister, there was a bit of a race, wasn't there? It was a bit like the space race. There was a bit of a race for the first person um, to run under four minutes. And I think there had been active attempts for a, probably about 30 years. Um, in You know, not just let's run around the block. We're talking in actual, you know, world championships, Olympics, whatever they had back then. Um, so we, we're talking about organised events. And there'd been about, I think, two or three decades where people were actively trying to break the four minute mile. And it had never happened in human history. Hundreds of attempts year after year. No, in the end, I think, I think people didn't think it was possible. You can imagine old Rog, right? I think it was, an, it was definitely in England. I think it was in Oxfordshire. May 1954, he steps up, right? And he fucking, he does it. He achieves it. And I, when I, before I actually looked into the actual stats, I thought I'd, you know, do do myself a favour and not look like a total knob. Um, I looked into, I'd always thought he'd done it by about three or four seconds. Three minutes, 59, and then something over that, right? So we are talking 
hundredth of a second. Right. And and in May nineteen fifty four, you can imagine probably wasn't accurate. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's probably some geezer on the sideline going, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, sort of just yeah he's done it. it. He's done it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 you know, someone's got to do it. Whether he did or whether he didn't. And if Roger Bannister's family is listening, yes, of course he did it. Um, no, he did. Do you know how long, well, bearing in mind, it's taken to the entire human history to get to this point for someone to run at three minutes 59. Do you know how long his record stood? Bearing in mind, it's taken, no, let's say, I don't know, 200 years to get here. I would suggest probably... It happened quite shortly afterwards, maybe a few months or a year or so. Yep, yep. I mean, you've got the you've got the beauty of re, of re, this is a re-record. But <laughs> that, I was doing my best to like <laughs> to um, pretend I didn't know. But yeah, however, I know the answer, so. yeah, you are right. Cool. Cool. You are right. It took forty six days. Wow, right? that's only now, two months, how, mate. And how many organised? I don't know how many organised running races let's say mm. are there you can tell i'm a big big uh, athletics fan um <laughs> how, many, how many running races are organized in 46 days in the 50s yeah. maybe two or three meets yeah if that and so in 46 days later john landy an australian beat it again okay now that could be a coincidence or it could be the fact that old john's watched on his tv and he's gone fucking hell if roger can do it I can do it. Mm. And he did. Do you know how many people, and I'm like, let's do it, no, this is a rhetorical question now. <laughs> do you know how many people beat it the following year? Go on. 12. Wow. 12. 12, pe- 12 people looked at John and um, Roger and said, John and Roger, sounds like that. Po- uh, so, uh, no, carry on. Um, <laughs> John and Roger, they looked at those guys, 12 other people, a minimum 12 other people because I'd say maybe let's say up to 50, 60 people said, well, if those two clowns can do it, not clowns, you know, actual record holders, sorry. If those two guys can do it, I can do it. And 12 <laughs> did. And get this, three did it in one race. Three people well, did it in uh, yeah, one race. That, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the past 50 years since then, let's test this. Do you know how many have done it in under four minutes in the, in the 50 or 60 years since 1954? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Over a thousand. Wow. Over a thousand. Wow. And yeah, maybe some were taking drugs that weren't available. Well, I, it's funny you, you know, say that. I was just about to say that. I was um, thinking about like athletics in particular, but records that get broken and yeah. how come people just seem to constantly, or not constantly, but you know, regularly be pushing records, boundaries, and breaking them. Yeah, and like as you mentioned, it's the the same with the rat analogy and what happened with Roger Bannister. I imagine they just they know they're running or they're jumping somewhere yep. close to that. Yeah, and they just have that thing inside that like, oh, just a little tiny bit more, and we can get over that. And then yep. that just must be that instilled yep. inside because obviously the uh, the doping allegations aside, which is a whole different conversation. But yep. in terms of a human body, uh, okay, I think. I think we're sort of getting taller as a race, aren't we? But over a period of sort of hundreds to thousands of years, not not sort of yeah, yeah. drastically. So the sort of physical makeup of male bodies, female bodies, athletes' bodies, they can't be a vast... No. I suppose diet and nutrition maybe comes into it, training routines, I get yeah. that, but... Yeah, you are right. But, it, you know, again, we, we can, you know, we can extract this and put it into the business world. It's not just mindset that keeps you going. 
you know, software changes, the way people work changes, the way people interact, all these little wins that you can, you know, weave into your environment and weave into your company to, to beat your competition or sometimes even just stay, you know, stay head to head. But you are right. Sports science change. The information about how to succeed is now more freely available. You've only got to look at footballers from the 50s and 60s. You know, you see them on um, Sky Sports News now, don't you, on a Saturday afternoon? And you can tell that some of them are quite resentful that you've got people earning, you know, half a million pound a week um, when obviously they they earn what oh, I suppose an average wage back then. You, you tell some of them um, through gritted teeth. But if you look at sort of like, I don't know, like a Franny Lee back in the day, he looks like a capital D, yeah. right? <laughs> running, running around the pitch, right? <laughs> And he, like, they were some fantastic footballers, but I think if you line them up now against like the athlete, the pure, they're pure athletes. They're yeah. pure athletes. And they've worked out that this is a 15-year career. If you want to make some serious bucks, you know, you need to knuckle down and live. But so there is a bit of that. You know, is Roger Bannister the Franny Lee of, of, of athletics in the 50? I don't know. But, I, 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 don't, I don't think he is. He ran a mile in under four minutes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. Um, <laughs> but I know, I, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'm with you. I think 80% of it is in the head. And when you see someone do something that you want to do or, or, or have dreamed of, it maybe they harness a bit of anger. They harness a bit of an emotion that they didn't tap into. But it's, it comes down to belief. It totally comes down to belief. Interesting one. Yes, that was a good topic for this week. Just on the note of uh, footballers uh, being a bit large, I watched the uh, Paul Gascoigne documentary yep. uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so just a little mention, if anyone's not seen that and you're into football. Um, no, I haven't seen well, is it. Um, I've got a signed shirt uh, framed from Gaza. Yeah, um, I, I, I dug out. Um, I met him in when he, he was shopping in Bournemouth when I was there a few years ago. And I, I, I did that classic thing. I turned away and thought, no, nah, no, nah, he's not going to be interested. And I thought, I'll never forgive yeah. myself if I don't ask. Yep. Went up to him. He was with his son. I said, oh, I'm really gathered. Lovely to meet you. Do you mind if I have a soap? Ah, absolutely. No worries, mate. Yeah. Paused with me. And I mean, I'm fairly tall anyway, but, you know, he's only he's fairly little and oh, Gaza's had a few problems, hasn't he? Let's say. Mm. So he's, he's he's not really the build that he used to be. Very, very slight character. But, at, you know, stopped and took the time to say hello to me. And, and you know, he's one of my footballing idols, as it is for most most people yeah, yeah, our yeah. age really yeah but yeah well worth a watch a very colorful life as well as career um but yeah some great moments in there to sort of look back on as well yeah well what's that on is that net is that amazon or uh, that was on sky documentaries oh, okay yeah, but I'll, I, think I'll, I'll it's, I think it the content in it seemed like it was uh not it wasn't made recently so you may be able to find it on youtube yeah um, somewhere like you said at the start of the show too New Year's resolutions. Yes. I don't really like using that term, but, you know, goals and stuff. I'm feeling quite bullish as well, actually, for for all my stuff. There does appear to be an air of optimism, I think, amongst uh, a lot of people. But similar to yourself, really, I've made a real effort to sit down and make sure at the end of last year I kind of really wrote down what I wanted to achieve and uh, got myself an accountability partner. Yep. That's why I've ever done that. So I thought, well, you know, you can't. Is that pro- is that is that property related or just any, you know, no no any- that's just a friend of mine who is quite similar to me uh, well, and yourself I suppose you and I are accountability partners on on a certain level but yeah. we we went no holds barred sent him my goals the deep, even the deep dark stuff he sent me his and we know we we've got a very good relationship you know that sort of stuff stays between the two of us and um we I did a phone call with him on the second of January went over everything just explained how we wanted to achieve it and how we were going to achieve it 
And then we have a phone call or a Zoom call once a month, but we're on WhatsApp, you know, once a week, we check in with each other, yeah. give each other a bit of encouragement and stuff. But I think the point I was trying to make, sorry, is everyone's full, you know, we've all got the wind in ourselves now. It's yeah. the first week yeah. of January. Everyone's smashing their, whether it's like weight loss goals or going to the gym more or, you know, staying at work longer, getting more stuff done. But I think on the subject of grit and determination, mm. we're all doing it now. Let's all see if we're doing it in week 12. Yep. Let's all see if we're doing it on the 30th of November in the year. You know, if yep. you're sticking to them, then that's the kind of tenacity mm. that you need to need to um, demonstrate, I think. But it all depends on, you know, the size of your goals and, and the time frame you think it's going to take to achieve them. But yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we recruit here on um we, we've changed it in the past four, four, four or five years and if you are thinking of setting up or you have set up business or, you, or you're working in a career that can be fairly tough at some stage and you do recruit on grit what we recruit on on grit here we've got psychometric tests set up to test the grit the determination the ambition of someone and really you know, over and above, if they had three or four years of experience and scored low in those areas, they probably wouldn't get a second interview. So we take it to the extreme because a lot of, from the outside in, a lot of people think recruitment's an easy job. And it, and I suppose in the essence, it can seem that way, but really it's tough on the mind and it's tough on the willingness to keep going because essentially there are candidates out there that let you down. There are clients that let you down. And quite honestly, you can end up being lied to by, or, or, or there are some well-intended people looking to move roles, things change. It can, it can, it's a roller coaster job. And what I do and what the other guys here do is when we recruit on this, we go heavy on the how tough it's going to be in the first year. We over, and hopefully any candidates aren't, aren't listening to this, <laughs> but we go over the top on how tough it is. And I always use the analogy to people in the first round interview, I say, look, the next 12 months, will be the toughest 12 months of your life. Typically, they've just finished a degree, done a dissertation, fit, you know, think, oh, feet up. I said, take your year, cramming all your stuff into uni and all that, that will seem like you will, you will wish that back. And they think that's going to be tough. I, and I use the analogy of, um, <clears throat> you know, have you ever seen like one of those um, kind of outdoor training centres or whatever, where you've got, you know, like a sort of... Um, you know, kind of like a, you know, like an assault course. Mm. We've got that long, dark tunnel and there's full of water and you, you push them in like the SAS training or whatever. And I'll say that is your first year in recruitment. You go into a dark tunnel. You don't know how long it's going to last. Some people it last six months. Some people last 18 months, right? You're, you're running a race, a bit like the rat. We don't know the end of it because you go in, it's cold, it's dark, it's wet, you can't breathe. But through, through your efforts, kicking your legs and your team, us guys around you, pulling you out the other end, before you know it, you'll be sat on the grass, the sun will be shining and you'll be, you'll be going, right, I'm through it. And that first 12 months in recruitment is hard. You've got the guy next to you absolutely smashing it up. He's been there three years. You've got the girl next to you who's two years in, doing really well. And you're in the middle thinking, when's it going to start happening for me? And it's, why do you keep, why do you keep coming in? Why do you keep, right, today I'm going to make 25 phone calls into my market. Why? Yeah, well, yesterday didn't produce anything. In fact, it hasn't produced anything for four months. And it's the people that can crack through 12 months. And we don't get a huge dropout rate here. Um, if anyone drops out, it will be in the first 12 months. But as an industry, the recruitment industry, the dropout rate in the first 12 months is sky high. Because people go in, you know, I've seen some adverts, some some um, recruitment companies saying practically, you know, it's, it's easy. 
yeah, you know, come here, we do this, we go on holidays, you know, all the other gimmicks, there's beers on a Friday, all the other shit that people should have given up doing ages ago. <laughs> and really, we over, I say, don't come back if you don't think, you know, blah, blah. And we do, we do get, we, we, we get people not coming for the second interview. And we, and we see them go to other companies where the adverts and the, and the culture is, it'll be easy. What happens? What happens is they're the rat that sinks, right? And our, and our guys, our guys swim. And we've just got two coming out of their um, sort of first probation now um, uh, in, in, in my team, actually. And both of them have said, yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as you, you know, it was tough. It wasn't as bad as you said. I, you know, did I get a lucky client list? Did I do a lot? And I said, no, that was intentional. It was, if I said it was going to be this and that and how, how glorious it would have been, you'd have quit. Maybe. But actually, I overstate how tough it's going to be. And they think by the end of week two, and I say to him, I say in the first three months, you'll go home on a Friday and you will be looking at other jobs. Guarantee it. Not in recruitment, not because we've done a bad job as a company, but the industry, you'll be looking at roles outside the industry. And quite a few, you know, they always go, no, no, no. Quite a few of them after the first year, they go, yeah, there was, there was, a, there was two or three times on a Friday. Oh, I did. I did. But you told me I was going to do that. Mm. So it, it, you, you, you would try, tread in the path well worn. You can set people up for grit and, and longevity, but you, you, it comes from within, within them. I'm not claiming, you no, know, these guys have succeeded because of them, but you have to like shine the torch down the path. So you can steer people, but you've got to find these people with grit and determination. And it is unfortunately a personal attribute. You've either got or you haven't. You can mold it. You can train it like a muscle, but if you've got none of it, you probably need to uh, persuade people to do something else. Very interesting thought to finish on there. Uh, yep. We are out of time, but thanks very much. Found that great conversation and uh, looking Cheers. forward to uh, next week.